welcome to the HSP podcast. I'm Julie B. Yellant, and I am a licensed psychotherapist and founder of Sensitive Empowerment. I am excited to share today's event, which is our 100th episode of the HSP podcast, 100 episodes. That makes me so excited. I'm so proud of everything that we've done on this podcast, and I hope you guys have been listening to all the episodes and sharing the episodes because it is empowering. We are really lifting HSPs up in the world. Today, we've asked a lot of um, wonderful questions came from the community that I think are gonna be helpful. We talked about the difference between processing time and restorative time. We talked about how to help ourselves with feelings of disappointment. We talked about how our, our fight, flight, freeze system in the brain is can be overloaded for HSPs and what are some things that can do about that. We talked about, um, somebody asked, is the brain training course that I have suitable for teenagers? I talked about that as well. Um, and uh, I love like other questions that came in was like, how do we deal with a mistake? We feel so responsible for, for other people even making mistakes or when we make mistakes. Um, we talked a little bit about sleep and the challenges that sometimes can happen when a lot of stress happening or during menopause. Um, we also talked about some grounding and meditation that is can be helpful for HSPs right now. And um, somebody also asked about the use of alcohol with HSPs, uh, the alone time for HSPs, and also um, why we get so triggered by violence in movies and and also what makes us more empathetic so lots of good questions to come here and i hope you enjoy this episode please share it so other hsps can benefit and i hope that you know that you can join my sensitive empowerment community it is such an amazing place to be you can join me live for these weekly events that we do such good stuff in there and it's just an amazing place to be together and to uh, get your questions answered and really it's inspiring to be with other HSPs and to normalize and validate our experience as HSPs I mean we experience the world in a different way and we need to be talking about it we need to be together and share all of this stuff so that's why this place is such a powerful community. It's online, it's off of social media, it's private. So that, and I'm there every day, supporting, guiding, mentoring, um, and answering your questions. So enjoy this episode. You can find all the episodes to the podcast as well as a free sensitivity quiz, tons of resources for HSPs, including my highly recommended course, Brain Training for the Highly Sensitive Person, Techniques to Reduce Anxiety and Overwhelming Emotions. I have several courses for HSPs that have been really helpful, especially right now. So hopefully you know about all those resources and take the free sensitivity quiz at sensitiveconnection.com or juliebielen.com. Thank you. I want to give you a quick update before we start this episode, and that is that I have some free masterclasses coming up that I'd love to invite you to. They're free to register. You'll also get a replay if you register. One is about high sensitivity and anxiety, 
and one is called Reach Financial Freedom, Growing a Heart-Centered Online Business, and that's for HSP practitioners, healers, therapists, coaches, etc., who want to learn how to uh, grow multiple sources of income and just be in a place where you're free so that you can really do the work that you need to do as a healer and take time off to take care of your self-care and things like that. That's important for healers. And I'm going to be available to answer questions after these events. And you can find them, you can register free by going to my website, juliebielen.com or sensitiveconnection.com and click on free resources. And there you will see where it says master classes and you'll get a link to register free. If you can't find it for some reason, definitely just let me know. And yes, there is a replay if you register and you'll get an email reminder and things like that as well. So look forward to seeing you there. Enjoy this event. Welcome everybody. I'm Julie Bialand and today we are doing an Ask Julie questionnaire so that you can ask me questions, any questions that you have about the trait, how to thrive, things like that. This is something I've been offering monthly, the first Tuesday of every month, so that you guys can connect with me directly and ask your questions. Um, and those attending live, go ahead and put your questions into the chat box if you want. Um, and while you're doing that, um, I will check in with um, what were the pre-questions that you guys actually added ahead of time. Hi, Jill. I, I did happen to see your last-minute question. I don't always see that, but since you're live, let's go with that first. Um, Jill's asking, where and what is triggered in HSPs regarding an aversion by some of us to scary movies and or violence, and also where and what is triggered in us that makes us more empathetic? So HSPs have more activation in the brain mirror neuron part of our brain and that's when we actually can see something we start to fire some of the same neurons as what we're witnessing so i think for us it's almost like we are in it like for if we're watching a scary movie or something which i really don't like to do <laughs> my son recently uh, tried to get me to watch a scary movie and my partner is also an hsp it's like she couldn't even sleep that night. And that's not something we normally do um, because it's just, it's, it's too much for my sensitive system to watch that. So I don't normally watch that. I'm even really careful about what I'm watching visually with the news. I tend to read more than watch because the imaging can be really hard on me. Um, and also the same thing for being so empathetic. We really feel what other people feel. I mean, we're really firing some of those same neurons, which is why we feel it so much inside of us that it's very intense. So that's, uh, that's the reason. <laughs> and I definitely recommend HSPs be careful about what they're taking in. Okay, so Anna asks, um, she's in the course. I think it's the, I'm not sure which course, but um, wanted to ask about the difference between the two terms, processing time versus restorative time? So that's a good question. Um, how I see it is for HSPs is that we need to do three things. We need to process everything that we've been taking in. Remember that nervous system container analogy that I often use, 
all the hundreds of cups of stuff getting dumped into that need to be processed. And that's almost mind, body, and spirit kind of processing too. How something impacted us is even something that we need to process. All the sensory stimulation that we've been taking in, we need to process. And so we have to actually do all three of those things where you process, you rest, and you restore. Resting is, a, so I think that processing comes first. You're slowing down to process. So you're in a quiet, this is a good time. Um, and as you guys heard me say many times, we need alone time to process. So if I'm gonna take some alone time, I usually spend the first part of that processing, kind of thinking through what, what's been going on for me, how's checking in with my body, my internal world, how am I doing? figuring out what I need to process emotionally, uh, all of those kinds of things. And then I need to go into a state of rest, which is not taking anything else in. So scrolling social media is not rest. Uh, we really need a period of time every day where we don't take extra stuff in. For me, I really like that to be quiet because it's a sensory sensitivity that we have. And I really like to have silence when I'm experiencing that so that I really am resting my sensory system. It's getting a break. Think about that supercomputer brain that gets to you know, be turned off once in a while instead of constantly processing so many details of everything. So I found that when I give that really quiet rest time, I'm able to actually move into restorative time. And that's huge because a lot of us skip that where we're, maybe we're resting a bit, but we're really not restoring. Restoring is that you sort of feel fresh again. You feel kind of energy. You feel like you've released what you need to release. You feel your body is softened. It's not tense. And so that's kind of the difference. Um, hopefully that makes sense to you guys. And anybody that has questions along the way, um, please just feel good about, you can put that into the chat, you can come on and talk with me, video or audio as well. Uh, Becca M, question, does silence also mean not taking in sounds in nature? Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> I'm actually glad that you're asking that. Um, so how I view silence is, and I know some HSPs even do talk about music um, as, you know, is that okay? So. I have a few things to say about that. So for me, when I'm actually listening to nature sounds like birds, um, crickets, you know, things like that, if I'm out in nature, I tend to find those very soothing. They're natural sounds for me. I personally find them incredibly soothing. Uh, so I would consider that to be a part of my rest, but I also like to have silence. And, and for some people, we don't live in areas I mean, it's interesting because I grew up on a farm in Minnesota for a lot of my life, but now I'm living in a really busy area of California. And I was thinking sometimes that there's literally no silence. There's always a sound when you're in, in a, around people all the time. Um, so sometimes silence has to come with earplugs and being able to have really quiet time like that. Sometimes I can even have um, a trickling water sound, like if it's a water fountain, and that might be okay. But most of all, in order to know what works for you is that can you get that state of really feeling rested where you, you're, you just feel it in your body that you're actually feeling this softness happen where you're relaxing, you know, and that's something that we really need to have as our goal every day that the sensory system gets relaxed, all of that. 
Um, and Tina's asking, so of processing rest, restoring, where is the release happening? The release happens in both the, the, the period of, of processing time as well as rest. So you start to feel that release when you're actually processing. Remember, if you're somebody who's been high stressed for years and years and years and now you're doing your first quiet time, you might not be able to process everything in that first sitting. So this is why we really wanna do it on an ongoing basis where you're doing it every day. Because if you do this every day, your body actually gets more used to getting calm. And for some people who grew up with a lot of chaos or possibly even trauma in their background, or maybe a lot of anxiety, have a hard time being quiet and still. Because think about how we are. We're like constantly on alert with our phones and devices, and there's always something being expected of us. Our lifestyles have turned into something that is too much from for, especially for those of us that score very high on my sensitivity scale, we really do need to have quiet rest time. Okay, good questions, guys. You always have the best questions. Uh, Andrea, I'm gonna go through what we uh, were written ahead of time, but definitely you guys can jump in if you're live with new questions. Andrea had three questions, actually. The first one, how to help ourselves when we experience feelings of disappointment. Oh, this is such a big one for us. Oh my goodness. Disappointment is, is a big problem for HSPs. It, it changes so many things that we do. We so much don't want to see somebody feeling disappointed that we give up our own needs constantly because we don't want to feel that person's disappointment and we don't want to see their disappointment. And I was thinking about this in a way the other day. It was like, it's almost like an antenna. Like if we had an energetic antenna and... HSPs tend to, by nature, be focused on that externally. So the, the default is that I'm looking at how you're experiencing things way more than thinking about how I'm experiencing things. And seeing somebody disappointed can be so strong for us for lots of reasons. I mean, I think we evolved as a survival strategy of the population. We, we have a group of people that want to get things done right the first time. We want to do it right. This is a big part of who we are. Um, and that also is part of it too, that, that feeling of, uh, and I think there's a couple things when the antenna is focused on that other person, there's a couple things where we're picking up on what they are feeling, which can be really intense for us. And we're worried that we caused it. So both of those things can be very distressing for HSPs, which is why I talk a lot about that process of bringing that focus back into internal. So for example, you're setting a boundary. Maybe you say, you know, you know, I'll give an example. Like my niece just moved into a new place. She'd love to have us over, but um, she is uh, in a different place than we are in terms of having a lot of exposure. We're a lot more careful during this time of COVID um, and everybody is experiencing this in a different way. So I'm disappointing her by not going to an event she is gonna be having in her, um, in her new place. But it's important that I hold a boundary that's right for me because this is something we decided as a family that we are going to be more cautious. And so how I deal with that. So in the past before tools, I might've had my antenna focused on, oh my gosh, I disappointed her, this feels so awful. Okay, let me just give up my needs and do it, right? But I'm not empowered when I'm doing that and it actually doesn't feel good to give up my needs. 
Instead, I need to go back into that reflection. And I actually think that the self-compassion practice that I teach, that three-step one is helpful in these areas to bring in the acknowledgement. Yes, I do feel that disappointment from her. And, it, and I'm acknowledging that that's hard for me, that I feel that. So remember, in order to, to really work through anything, we have to acknowledge it first. And then I can go into, but you know what? I really do feel good because now I'm internally focused. I feel good that I'm honoring what my needs are and that I'm holding a boundary that, that I have decided on. And so I'm acknowledging that it's hard, but I'm also redirecting into a place of how I experience it. And when you do that with compassion mixed in there with some self-compassion, the feeling of disappointment actually diminishes quite a bit. Because if we're thinking we did something wrong and we're focused on them, it's like a thousand pound weight on top of that feeling. But if we take that thousand pound weight off by bringing in that internal acknowledgement that, you know, I'm honoring my needs, that thousand pound weight comes off and I can handle the five pound weight of disappointment. Okay, I'm reading some of your, what you guys are saying. Excellent. Um, yeah, Cecilia says, I often wondered why we feel others' disappointment as keenly. One of the reasons we can be people pleasers, we are such people pleasers. Yeah, we, we think in the moment that, that the way that they're experiencing it is more important than the way we experience it, but it's really this default tendency that we have to practice checking in. That's why I'm always saying it. Every time you go to the bathroom, you ask yourself those two questions. How am I doing? What do I need? That gives me practice to redirect internally because how I experience things is also important. In fact, it's more important than how somebody else experiences things. And if I ignore how I experience things, it's going to come out somehow. It's going to what I call either implode or explode. It will build up and it will cause problems later because it doesn't just go away. Unmet needs always surface. So that's something to think about. I'm glad that that was helpful. Yeah, Cecilia, um, I guess setting boundaries are like a muscle we have to flex. Absolutely, you get better at it with practice and you keep redirecting. That's why a mindfulness practice and a daily meditation practice is so essential for HSPs because it helps us um, with that redirect, with that catching, that pause, reflect and respond rather than react. Because even disappointment can be a reaction. So we can pause, reflect, and respond on those feelings, and that really helps a lot. Yeah. And then uh, the second question, uh, Andrea asks, in the brain training course, we learn that we're in fight-flight mode, and this reaches a certain point of overwhelm with emotions and stress that we can get stuck in the emotional brain and can't access the logical brain at that point. Uh, would this be the same for physical symptoms that are triggered? Uh, yes, I actually think that there's a lot we can do about physical symptoms as well when we're paying attention earlier, because if we're totally ignoring what's going in, on inside of us, and now it's starting to build up, we want it's going to scream at us at some point, and it, that can be triggered into physical symptoms, definitely, if we're ignoring what our needs are, constantly getting overwhelmed and overloaded, not having that time that rest time, restorative time, we're going to get impacted. So there's a lot that we can do when we're paying attention. And this is something that HSPs are actually really good at. You have more activation in that insula. So your level of consciousness is very high, more high than most people. 
And so you can pay attention to how something's impacting you. And if you're paying attention to how something's impacting you, you can actually prevent some of the physical symptoms that you might get if you ignored what's happening to you. It's kind of like the difference between listening when, when there's a whisper versus listening when there's a scream. We have to, this is why I'm always saying we got to check in regularly so we get practice. So we can say, oh, you know, I can feel myself kind of tensing up and I'm holding this high level of stress. And I know myself, if I don't do anything about it, that might lead to a headache, a migraine, a stomach ache, things like that, because I'm flooding my system with adrenaline and stress hormones. But if I'm paying attention and taking care of my needs in the right way, I'm setting myself up to feel healthier and have less physical symptoms. So that's that's something we do actually have control of as, over as well. Um, Tina says, I soothe myself through others' disappointment by reassuring myself they will still love and like me. Uh, yeah, I mean, a reassurance is a form of self-compassion too, being able to reassure yourself. And honestly, if somebody doesn't like us because we're doing something that's taking care of our needs, we got to, that's a little red flaggy right there. A lot of people ask me, what are red flags? That's a red flag. And I always say people that have the hardest time with us setting boundaries are the people that need boundaries the most. Remember, somebody else doesn't hold our boundaries for us. We have to hold our boundaries for us. Um, and Tina, you asked, where does meditation fit in of process, rest, and restore? Meditation is such a great way to practice that, that drawing from that external focus into an internal focus. I want you to think of it like building a muscle. If we do it once in a while, it's not that strong, but if we meditate every day, that muscle actually gets really strong and that catches stuff. So you can catch it like, oh, I'm starting to react about this, or I'm noticing this triggered me because now it's coming from cognitive brain instead of emotional brain, which is a hugely different experience in the first place. So meditation is a really great way to bring in that ability to catch it, to do the pause, to do the reflect. That's a really good way to do that as well as softening the system. Because when you meditate well, you actually can feel like you've been on a vacation. I mean, your whole body can feel relaxed and restored. So it's a huge part of the restoration process actually. And then the third question she had was, um, she's asking if the brain training course for HSPs is suitable for teenagers around 16 to 17. Yes, actually, I have been hearing all kinds of wonderful stories of teenagers using these brain training tools and it helping them. I've also heard of adults um, taking the program and using the tools and teaching their children. And that's really exciting to me because absolutely, if you can teach your children and teens some of these skills early oh my gosh like you are giving them the best gifts you could possibly give them to teach them some of these tools it's really helpful for them to learn them too and it helps them learn about you know emotional regulation it gives them tools about what to do teaching them how to do that pause reflect and respond is very helpful for teenagers to have you know, when they're having a lot of emotions and changes in their hormones and things like that. Yes, very helpful for them as well. That's what I love about it. And Rena says, why is it so hard to deal with making a mistake? 
even when it's not my mistake and the mistake of a loved one, I feel so responsible. That's a good question too, Rena. Oh my goodness, yes, this is so, so common for us as HSPs. We feel so responsible for everybody. Uh, it's amazing, like I always say, we, have the, we, we put on our job description that we're responsible for how others experience things and we just have to practice taking that off of our job description that we don't have to be responsible for everybody. And in fact, we need to be more responsible for ourselves. Again, that has a lot to do with external focus and lacking the internal focus. So we really want to bring that back in. And in terms of making hard, making a mistake, that is absolutely true. HSPs have a hard time with that. We all do. Again, I think it comes back to the fact that we have this trait for a reason. We are a group of people that evolved. Can you imagine what the world would look like if we had no HSPs? I mean, HSPs are the ones who really do want to get things done right the first time. We, we want to do things right. We were genuine. We're honest. We want to get it. We want to help people. And we need a group of people that are like that. And I think understanding that these are some of our experiences is important because I used to be the same way. Oh my gosh, it was like my brain would go into alarm bell mode if I made a mistake. And what that means is because I, as you, as those of you have taken the brain training course, you understand that the, the brain cannot tell the difference between a real threat and a perceived threat. So if I make a mistake, my brain can interpret that in the same way as if a lion was about to attack me. It sends off alarm bells and it changes everything in my system in that moment. It will change how I use oxygen. It puts oxygen into my muscles to get me ready to fight and flight, you know, to fight or flee. It turns off digestion because that's considered unnecessary. If a lion, a lion is about to attack you, you don't need to digest. You need to be able to fight or run. So what happens is our brain goes into these alarm bell states because we have more activation in that fight, flight, freeze part of our brain. So we need to train our brain in, during the times that we aren't actually in danger. And to be able to say, you know, to calm ourselves, to use the breath technique that I teach you guys. Um, some of those techniques can be really helpful along with continually to do your meditation, your the, the restorative work. because. If your nervous system is super full and you haven't had any processing and rest and you're not restored and you're depleted and you make a mistake, it's gonna be a lot harder for you to redirect that in the brain. And it's just gonna be alarm bells taken off, flooding your system with adrenaline. That's you'll feel your heart start racing and you will have oftentimes have a lot of things that happen to you physically as a result too because it's not healthy for the system to release that every day or several times a day, like a lot of HSPs do. So it's all connected. I hope you guys are kind of getting clear about how connected all of this is, and which is why we can't wait until we fall apart to take care of ourselves. We have to be conscious and intentional every day about our nervous system container, because if, that's, if we've been draining that out and being careful about what's going in it, we have more energy, we have more cognitive brain focus, we're able to catch all this stuff, a lot sooner plus we feel better physically which makes all of this easier too <laughs> so hopefully that's uh helpful to you guys you finding this helpful um i'll keep going through the questions um 
Susan saying that she is in week three of brain training. And the question is, what can I say to myself when I have a poor night's sleep, mainly due to perimenopause and I need to go to work and do my best to get through the day? Oh, I feel you, Susan. Going through menopause was very challenging for me. And so much so that I've I hope you've seen and know about the event that we did with Dr. Julia Hip, who's a naturopathic doctor, who is also an HSP. We actually did an event called HSPs Aging and Menopause because I wanted to talk specifically about that. I know a lot of women are having a lot of struggles uh, in menopause, HSPs especially, because it brings in a lot of extra challenges um, that can be really hard for our systems. And sleep is very, very essential for our well-being. We have a joke amongst my family that's like, if I don't get sleep, I'm a completely different person. And I'm sort of naturally a kind of a free spirit and like to imagine that I could just do anything that I want all day and sleep when I want and all that. But I've learned over many years of trial and error, I have to be really structured when it comes to my sleep. It's something that I prioritize above everything because without sleep, I'm not okay. We also share um, in the community, we have some great events that I would also recommend watching. Um, the one with uh, our, our herbalist, Natalia. She talked about some natural, uh, in fact, we have three different events that talk about natural supplements that can help HSPs, especially if you're struggling with um, Things that are, I, I don't recommend that HSPs get reliant on taking something every single night for sleep, but if you do get periods of time that you're, sleep, you're struggling in your sleep, like with menopause or hormonal changes or extra stressors happening, I recommend trying natural alternatives before you do sleep, prescription sleep medications. For HSPs, this is what I recommend. And we have several events that talk about it. We've got Dr. Julia Hip has an event, um, actually several events. In addition to the menopause one, she's got another, I think a couple more events in our community that we talk about some of this stuff. And she gives some recommendations for some natural ways for us to sleep better. Um, and the herbalist that I mentioned, and then also Dr. Irene Ramu, um, she gave us some, uh, an event about flower remedies that have, have had a lot of impact for a lot of HSPs too. So I just want you to know that there's some alternatives there for actually helping you get better sleep in addition to having it be structured. That we wanna look at like the five things that you do every night in the same way every night so that by the time you get to the third thing, your brain is like, oh, sleep is coming. So you definitely wanna cut out caffeine. You don't wanna look at your screen um, because that can confuse the brain to think it's daytime. So screen use, you got to look at that. Like, uh, and it doesn't matter what other people can do. Like if they can do it, that's fine. But if it impacts you, that's what matters. Um, and so having a very structured routine that slowly gets your body into a state of sleep can be really helpful. Um, but in terms of what to say to yourself, this is where we would want to have a lot of self-compassion. So if there's been times when I haven't slept well for some reason, and I, I have something that I have to do, um, I, it's made a big difference to me to be very compassionate with myself, to understand that's like, okay, this is going to be more challenging for me today. So I need to change my expectations of myself. 
I need to be loving and compassionate with myself? Is there things that I can do that would make my day easier? You know, it's a real thing. So sleep is so essential for HSP wellness. So definitely look at that. Sometimes it's lifestyle changes we have to make. This is a real thing like uh, to prioritize. Um, incredibly important. Let's see, I'm looking at some of your comments. <clears throat> yeah, Cecilia is using the something from the Bach flower maze. Yeah, I've heard from several of you guys after watching those events that we've had that several of those natural um, and holistic remedies have been helpful for you. So that's great to see. And that's something I see with a lot of HSPs. We want to be really careful about um, dependency on sleep aids and do lifestyle changes for sure. Okay, so Cecilia, you had a question about, do you have any grounding or shielding exercises that you recommend to help HSPs during these intense times? I want to stay informed by COVID, wildfires, US election, racism, et cetera, can all be overwhelming. The amount of stuff going on to process. Boy, is it ever overwhelming. I, I have, and I'm sure most of us have never experienced the amount of intense stuff going on right now incredibly overwhelming. Um, I even find myself, it's like I start going down a rabbit hole of like starting to read about something and not having my own boundaries. And, and if I've done that, it's definitely gonna impact me. So it has to be something I'm aware of always because I am at that very highest level of sensitivity. Some of the things that I recommend are, um, I've, and I've said this before, limit the news. I prefer, I prefer reading rather than watching because the images can really stick with you and be incredibly difficult. Remember, if we're falling apart, we're, not gonna, we're definitely gonna, not gonna be part of the positive change that's needed in the world. And as empowered HSPs, we need to be part of the change. And in order to be part of the change, the positive change that's needed, we have to take care of ourselves in particular ways and it has to be amplified right now. And so some of the things that I recommend, including uh, limiting the amount of stuff you're taking in. Remember that positivity negativity tank that we talked about? The negativity tank is overflowing for most people right now. There's so much going on. And the difficult thing about that is remember it takes eight positives to neutralize one negative, And it also takes up to 20 seconds of concentrating on that positive for it to really fill the positivity tank that can support the negativity tank. So you've got to do a lot of that stuff right now. You know, it, we need to have the downtime. We need to be doing the little bits of joy that's filling up our positivity tank. And this needs to be intentional. So when it's getting too heavy, the weight of everything, it needs to be very intentional and it needs to be consistent every day. I think that that self-compassion technique should be done daily right now. First step is we acknowledge what we feel. You put our hands on our chest, we acknowledge what we feel. Second step of that, normalize and validate. Third step of that is asking what you need. That should be done throughout the day, several times a day if you need it, especially if you're having a hard time with something. Really filling up those little bits of joy. You know, when I spend time with my birds outside, watching them playing in the water, it's just amazing. Like it fills up my tank. And I have to do a lot of that kind of stuff to fill that up. Um, I also recommend daily mindfulness and meditation practice. 
I actually have 20. I counted this today because I saw your questions, Cecilia. I have 20 HSP meditations on my HSP podcast. Those are available for free to every HSP. You can go to hsppodcast.com. And I actually have um, a link that, that you can click on that says HSP medications, and it'll show you all 20 of them. These are created specifically for HSPs. Um, I think like episode 70, which is the meditation for intense feelings, episode 62, which is meditation for emotional wounding. Those can be really helpful, but go through them and see which ones that really help you. Um, and then within our community, we've had a couple of events about grounding. At, at event 22 was grounding with greatness. Uh, event 29, grounding and shielding meditation. I like to experiment with different types of grounding techniques. Like for myself, I'm such an outdoor nature person that being in nature is very grounding for me. And I know when we were having the wildfires and we couldn't get outside for weeks from unhealthy air, that was really challenging for me. Um, so we have to do the things that we have, we have the ca capacity to do right now. And doing grounding is so important. Grounding and, and meditation is really important. So even just, you know, imagining that you are this tree and you're grounded into the roots, you know, you can even do that indoors with visualization. HSPs are actually really good at visualization, so much so that we can feel like we're in the moment. Like I have a forest meditation on one of my meditations, and I've heard from so many HSPs that they felt like they were in the forest with me when they were listening. So that's something that's really wonderful. Like to do a lot of that kind of stuff every day is very grounding and, and very helpful for us. <laughs> yeah, you, Cecilia says, I can go down the rabbit hole. Absolutely, it's very easy to do that. Boy, you start getting so worked up about something going on and it is very easy. I, I recommend HSPs turn off the notifications on their phones so you're not hearing the pinging. Every time you hear the pinging, your brain is going into to-do mode. So for myself, I have to, I like have my, my phone charger away from my bed because if it's next to my bed, it's very tempting to just go, oh, let me just scroll a little bit more, read a little bit more news. And I've had to have very clear boundaries for myself that I turn off my phone and when I'm in my bed, I don't access it. So you have to think about what works for you. It has to be really conscious and intentional um, to do all of these things. Oh, good, you've been using the, the meditations a lot and wonderful. Yeah, we have so many amazing events in our community. I mean, there is like, I definitely recommend you guys are exploring all these events that we've recorded for the community. We have so many good things and, and I feel like every event gives us a little nugget of something. And I know that some of you that have been watching most or all of the events have been sharing that, but there's just a little takeaway from everything that we've been you know, doing in these events. And that's a part of it. And also to recognize that this is an unprecedented time that we need to also check our expectations of ourselves. It is difficult to experience the weight of everything that we're experiencing and just be okay. I mean, there also has to be some self-compassion about the times when we don't feel okay. And I've shared with you guys before that there's times even when I've had breakdowns and I've cried and it felt like too much. But the difference now 
now that I'm trained versus untrained is so massive. Like untrained, I would probably be in my bed and not get out of bed. That's honestly, that's probably what I would be doing right now if I didn't have these tools because the weight is so heavy, uh, of the, the, what's going on in the world, so heavy. And so the tools that I talk about and share with you guys have a lot to do with building resiliency. It's the ability to be a sensitive person in the world, but have a toolbox that helps us through these intense experiences. Even just being able to sit in an intense emotion when it hits us, being able to cry and not feel guilty about that, but understand that crying is a release and feeling our feelings is okay. Remember the judgment of the emotion is a thousand pounds, but the emotion itself is five pounds. Might be a little bit heavier now. The emotions might be a little bit more than five pounds, but the judgment is a thousand pounds. So remove the judgment and replace it with self-compassion when you have those times. And I've shared in the community before about some of my experiences when things hit me and I started crying. And there's just a, there's a, there's a gentle loving kindness that I have now that I never used to have. I, I had to train myself to have that because I did not have that. I didn't grow up with it and I didn't have it by nature. So I actually had to train myself to learn how to be loving and kind to myself, which has made all the difference. Because when I'm having an intense emotion, if I was also hard on myself at that moment, which I know a lot of HSPs are, whew, boy, that's, that almost makes that emotion impossible to feel. So we want to be really gentle with ourselves when we have these intense experiences right now. And a lot of active self-care in the way that works for HSPs, not how everybody else is doing things. So there's a lot of choices that we have. We have a choice about what we expose ourselves to every day and how we take care of ourselves and what kind of compassion we use and what's our self-talk, what kind of self-talk are we having? Are we supporting ourselves or are we kicking ourselves when we're down? Like that has really shifted my life completely to actually be a friend to myself instead of an enemy. I mean, wow, life is so different that way. Um, Tina says, yes, so we can use the brain in that way. A meditation can substitute for the real thing, just like perceived threat. We can relax with a perceived positive like a forest meditation, absolutely. And if you keep doing that every day, it, it, it adds up and you start to feel that balance. And you know, we're aware, like if we've been balanced in the past and we know what that feeling feels like, we are aware how far we are away from balance. And that's why I always want you to be constantly aware of it by doing that check-in process so that you catch it sooner. So you're like starting to get off you do something now to support yourself, you can bring yourself back. But if you're ignoring it and you get way off, it's a lot harder to come back and it takes a lot longer. And then you have a cleanup process afterwards because usually something's gone wrong. So we're talking about really giving yourself a lot of energy by taking care of yourself too. And what Sarah shared this week as one of my, I just loved it so much. She's a parent in our community that said, that she started to recognize that it was an act of love to her son to take care of herself. I thought that was 
so powerful. And I want all parents to hear that because especially HSP moms, to me, have been the most notoriously difficult to do self-care. We put ourselves at the bottom so often, but that doesn't work. And she talked too about this idea of role modeling. What is she role modeling to her son if she's falling apart and not taking care of herself versus she's role modeling self-care that actually works for her? I mean, it's such an important thing for us. And it has to be something that we do, like I shared in my recent post about um, that I believe 100% that alone time, nature time, things like that for HSPs are a medical necessity because there's a huge difference in your health and well-being with those that do it regularly and those that don't. So sometimes that involves lifestyle changes to make it happen. And, and some people in the community, some moms in the community were talking about, yeah, you know, they were like, well, actually, I could ask my brother. I could ask my mother-in-law. They have offered to help with the kids sometimes. So maybe I can say yes. Maybe I can advocate for my needs. Maybe I can get more help from my partner. Maybe I can put myself and my needs higher on the list because then I can be there in a, in a way that I want to be. Like she was sharing something so beautiful that, you know, when she actually gives herself enough of that alone time, downtime, rest and restoration time, she shows up in a different way as a parent. She can actually enjoy her time with her child rather than being completely depleted and not having anything, losing patience, not enjoying the experience at all of parenting. I mean, there's a huge difference and we do have choices in these areas for how we take care of ourselves. It's such a central piece. So Craig asks, what is the proper use of alcohol for HSPs? So that's a great question, Craig. Um, and we actually have an event coming up that's gonna talk a little bit more in detail about some of this, which I'm excited about. But to say something about it kind of quickly, this does seem to, um, there's a lot of variation from what I've seen with HSPs. There's some HSPs, I'd say the majority of HSPs are more sensitive to alcohol, the effects of alcohol. And that's something to keep in mind in terms of how much alcohol you intake and, and in what period of time that you're taking it. And then there is also somebody who, there are a lot of HSPs who I believe also have an addiction to alcohol and other kinds of drugs. And I think it happens because there is, there is so much pain in the intensity of how someone is experiencing the world when they don't have the right tools. And especially if they've had a difficult background in childhood, then alcohol feels like it's something that can numb their emotions. But it also prevents us from growing. So like in the, as I'm a psychotherapist, so what we know about that, for example, is that if somebody starts drinking alcohol regularly, like daily, um, and say they started when they're, I don't know, say they started when they were 16 or something like that, and now they're 30. What we know about that is that their emotional maturity is actually 16. It started when the alcohol, it's, it, it stopped the growth, emotional growth stopped at this time that somebody started drinking regularly. Because if we're numbing our experience, we're not actually learning, we're not growing, we're not maturing in these areas, we're not developing tools. 
And so that's just something I wanted to throw out there that um, hopefully answers that question. And a couple more questions we have <clears throat> is uh, Sarah says, I uh, rec you recommend one to two hours of alone unstructured time per day, but I'm wondering if that has to be consecutive. I tend to prioritize sleep, but that leaves me with little time for much else. Well, sleep is definitely important and it is not the same thing though as alone time. So I wanna make sure that we're clearing that up a little bit because, because some of that alone time is our processing time and, and intentional time to process, rest and restore, we need to have some of it where we're awake. <laughs> so like a nap is a great form of self-care and making sure you're getting the sleep that you need and HSPs often talk about needing more sleep than, than those without the trait. And I want to normalize and validate that. The, your, the amount of sleep you need is the amount of sleep you need. Not what everybody else needs, but what you need to ultimately to wake up naturally. That's the goal, is to have enough sleep so that you are waking up naturally without an alarm clock. And that is something that was my goal in life <laughs> that I'm very happy to have reached because I always hated the alarm clock. And so changing my lifestyle in a way that allowed me to, to do that was very helpful. So to get back to your question, you, now this varies. For some people, they need the chunk at all at once. For some people I've heard, especially say busy parents who have a hard time getting that chunk, you might wanna get like an hour in the morning before everybody gets up and then you figure out another hour somewhere throughout the day that or the evening so that at least you're getting it somewhere doing just 15 minutes is not going to be enough and but if you're doing 15 minutes regularly you'll have to see if that feels like enough if you do several sections of that that lead to a couple of hours and i, I have worked with hsps for so many years that i've heard every reason and excuse why somebody cannot do this. And I understand that our lifestyles, especially for parents of small children, especially if they don't have help of a partner, that they really struggle the most. And I remember that feeling of like, you couldn't even go to the bathroom by yourself when you're taking care of young children. So it has to be something intentional where you get help, that there's people in your life that can help, that can give you these breaks. And being in the other room and listening to the kids, whatever they're doing, is not a break. So really having time where you are turned off, that you're respond you don't have responsibilities. That's the point. It needs to be unstructured in a way that there is not a responsibility on you during that time. So getting the support that you need to try to make that happen is essential. Okay, so we've got here. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I hate the alarm clock too. I've so, felt so much better since working from home. Yeah, I mean, a lot of us are, are feeling the benefits of working from home when you don't have to add in that commute time and all the overstimulation of all of that. Okay, so our, oh, actually we got through all the questions because I already answered Jill's question. So if anybody is with us live that has any more questions, please let me know. Otherwise, we covered all the questions today. Hopefully you guys know about um, Thursday's event. I'm super excited about that we're going to go live with Willow, Willow McIntosh, who I often do the HSP podcast with. 
and he and I are going to answer questions about your businesses and your websites. So those of you that may have taken my course, how to grow a heart-centered online business might really like to have this time so you can ask your questions. You can post them ahead of time if you can't be there live. It's always best if you can be there live in case we have you know, things that we need to ask you about. But I know that due to time zones and stuff, that's not always possible. So be detailed in the questions that you have. Um, that that is going to be a great. I mean, it's wonderful to have Willow there to help too. So we really want to empower you guys to to succeed in your in your online businesses. Rebecca has a question. Um, what about any herbal remedies for soothing nerves or over, overwhelm? Yes, we have talked about that in those those events that I mentioned in our community. Definitely watch the ones with um, Dr. Julia Hip, uh, the one with. Um, because we have more than one with her, the one with the herbalist. And it's interesting because Dr. Julia Hip and the herbalist, there was a one herb that they both named. And then there's also the one about the buckflower remedies. So I would definitely recommend watching those. They're in the community HSP library. Hopefully you guys know about the HSP library. You can find that under topics. There is so much good stuff in those um, that are really super helpful. And um, we talk about some of this as well in my course, my Blooming Brilliantly course. We talk about some of these things too that are natural alternatives. So if there's no more questions, I hope you guys, um, I hope you guys found this helpful. And it's always really nice to spend time with everybody. And thank you for all your wonderful questions. You guys have, you guys ask the best questions and you know, I think it's so amazing that you attend these and you ask these questions and that you're learning and growing. Like you guys just inspire me. You're this sensitive empowerment community. It, it really is inspiring to see how much you guys have grown and are growing. I mean, it's really amazing. Like we've been calling it magical because it is magical. Like what is happening with you guys and your growth and empowerment really excites me. And I do find it very inspiring to see you each trying so much and that we're there for each other. Such an important, special thing. So thank you everybody for being here. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys in the event Thursday too. Um, I'm so glad Jill. Jill says your advice has made a positive difference in my life. That makes me so happy. I, the best part of my day is when I read messages from you guys. If somebody's emailed me or I read the messages in the community that something has helped you, it really is something that lights me up and is one of the best parts of my day. So thank you for those of you that, that do that, that reach out and you do that. Um, it's such a wonderful thing. Thanks everybody. You guys take good care of yourself and we're gonna see you in the community out there. Love you guys. Bye everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will share it and hopefully you know about all the resources that you can find on my website juliebielen.com or sensitiveconnection.com you can even take a free sensitivity quiz and check out all the amazing episodes we have on the HSP podcast at hsppodcast.com I love hearing from you you can write in the comments there you can contact me 
And uh, please share. We've got so much work to do together to get all these resources and education out to other HSPs so that we can all support each other. Thank you.